Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Hey, Craig, good to meet you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, today I'm talking with Steve Malulu. I actually should have asked how to pronounce your last name. Did I do that close? Beautiful. You are natural. <laughs> you're, you're too easy. Um, <laughs> some people show up super energetic and I, I feel like I have trouble getting them to settle in and you showed up like in the zone. Um, and partly I think it's because it's the end of your day. It's evening. So I, I don't know what plans you have, but thank you for taking time out. And we were talking uh, before we started recording, and I often ask people just like a really generic thing like podcasting, what comes to mind? And you thought about it for a couple of moments, and you went right to how, and I think you used the word, you just said storytelling is so innately a, in a part of your culture. And uh, and I think you said in Kenya, you mentioned. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm I'm, I then said, well, oh, that's great. But what was it about podcasting that made you want to record that? Um, and I'm just wondering if you could talk me through. So, you know, podcasting is pretty easy these days. And what are you trying to accomplish when you're capturing people talking? Same thing, Craig. Great question. Podcasting, first time I listened to a podcast for me, it took me back to my very early childhood years because it reminded me how much my own father, how much my own grandfather, how much stories, how much history they passed to us after every meal in the evening. It was traditional for us to sit down with our elders, for them to tell mm. us about their upbringing, about our culture, about what kinds of foods to eat, how to relate with your brothers, how to relate with your sisters. Uh, what kind of future is expected of you as a man or whatever, all of those things. So when I saw a podcast, more or less for me, it was a trigger. It was like, if when, my, when one of our elders dies, and the way we live nowadays, we don't live in the village, we so spread all over the world, they die with everything. Your whole culture, your whole history is dead with one person. So podcasting has become one of those. When I started podcasting, I didn't know the name podcasting anyway. It was an easy way for me to sit down even with my own father and record everything. Just listen to him, ask him questions, how he grew up. So when I saw people doing it like this, it was just more from a traditional to a more technological way of doing what I've been doing all along. Hmm. Did you follow, um, how far did you get? Uh, is your father still alive? And did you follow through with those recordings? Like, um, your father's still alive? Oh, yeah. I've, uh, yeah. I think when I got to 50, it's when I started listening to my father more. You know, when you're still young, you think, <laughs> you, you, think you know more than they do, you know? <laughs> yeah. They, they, they're busy talking to you and uh, you switch off. But it's only mm -hmm. when I became older, I realized this man knows more than I do. And there's so much in him. And then it becomes a race for time. There's so much that I need to do. So every time I'm with my dad, there's no single thing that I do without, uh, without my recorder being on. Constantly, mm -hmm. I, I, there's so much I need, to get out, I need to get out of him. And I think there's some of my most cherished possessions now. 
he will always be with me even if he's not with me, you know, and I can be able to share that with my siblings and all those. I can be able to take some of those clips and send to them depending on what's happening in our family family tree, depending on the mood, ceremony, circumstances, there's always something from what we've spoken about that will either lift the mood or lower people's emotions if people are so so tense. Hmm. I, I was thinking, uh, I'm not particularly religious, but there's an aspect of church, like the the idea of people gathering together around something, whether it's a scripture or whether it's a small village gathering around elders. And it almost feels to me like this, the thing that you're creating, the legacy that you're capturing, um, has, how has your family reacted to this thing that you're making, um, which is like the modern version of that, that group of elders sitting around? In the beginning, it means nothing to people, but you always realize that uh, we are cleverer than you and I. Together, we can solve so many problems. And there's always something that you captured that will always touch somebody in a different way. And like any other family, we have different family dynamics. And uh, I come from a very big family. Where my father's got, my father has got uh, five wives. And each wife has got 15 kids. So I've come from 60 siblings. It's it's a very big family. And you can imagine the differences. So we don't really get along all the time. But the family always holds us together. If I disagree with any of my siblings, I can't really use my own life experience. But I can always go back. Because the only thing that, uh, the only one common purpose here becomes the parents, the father. You can always go back and say, this is what he says. It's not what I'm saying, but I think this is what we need to do. You know, so it always brings the other people down. It's like always having a third eye when we're having different uh, different discussions and dif- different, different arguments, if I might say. Hmm. Yeah, like a common language or a common grounding, like reminds you that you have a common ground. Yeah, and, and that's, that's one, really powerful. One, one thing you'll find, I don't know how big your family is, you'll tell me after this. A people or a family cannot be held together with a common interest, can only be held together with a common purpose. Interests change. People's interests change all the time. You know, if we against one brother, we'll be together, but the minute that brother is out of the way, we'll turn against each other. So for us, this becomes a common purpose for us. You can't change what this says. None of us can change what this says, because why? This is a bigger authority than any of us. So it it becomes our constitution. It's been written by somebody we all respect, and somebody, whether we like it or not, we believe it's clever than all of us. So when we right. can't agree and we disagree, let's go back to the Constitution. Let's see what does the Constitution say. Maybe I'm wrong, but let's hear what he has to say. Yeah. To answer your specific question, I have a small family. Um, I have. I am an only child, so my mom and dad have, have only me. Um, my mother has one brother, and the next generation up was the end of the large, like I come from Italian heritage. So my mother's mother, my maternal grandmother was one of eight children. 
So there are, I had, there's like seven women and one man up there at that great grandparent level in my family, um, in grandparents, sorry. Uh, so my mother has a large number of cousins, but I don't have any siblings, any direct siblings. I have a couple of cousins. So it, there's something that's, I'm going to say there's something that's lost. Um, and maybe I hadn't realized that until you were describing how your family dynamic works, but there's something that's lost there because, um, I've, I mean, not that I've always like, well, I want a sibling, but there is a very small, like a family dinner is just my, my father passed away. It's just my mother and I, and, you know, and my wife, um, but it's very small so that we don't have the same energy that I'm thinking you would get to experience, you know, even if a small fraction of your family were to come together, it's a very different dynamic. And there's, I think there's something that's lost when I only experience that small scale dynamic, I, I lose sight. Maybe I lose sight of like, you know, I literally don't have a, um, a large family. I don't literally, there isn't a village, you know, that my family was, um, embedded in. Um, and that makes you for, makes for a very disconnected single viewpoint, um, perspective. So that's, that makes a big, that makes a big difference. I would think. I can't imagine uh, your life, though. I don't. I can't imagine being an only child. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> I just seriously, I just can't imagine that because I mean, my, my dad is one of those. Because traditionally, for us, our children are seen as um, the assets. Because people in the villages, purely, the more hands you have and the more boys you have, the more hands you have on the farm. And so they're seen as, as wealth. So, mm. and when you come from a big family, yes, they're your brothers, but there's a very strong competitive streak because you compete for everything. You compete for food, you compete for attention, you compete for a place to sleep. Mm. You, com you, you, you constantly, and that's, I think it's, it's one of those things that is very hard to break. When, uh, if I brought you to our house, when we go to our house as a family, I think for somebody that comes as a single child, I think you'll run away because you'll think we want to fight. If we have to sit down for dinner, for you, it might be like, um, pass me the salt, please. And all of us are going to look at you and wonder what's wrong here. Get it. Take it. For, for us, you're shouting there, hey, get me the salt, man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because if you you let one say I'm gonna take it myself, so it's very right. very different. So it's very interesting to to I can't imagine being an only child. Seriously, I just can't. It, this seen that when we talk about podcasting, this <laughs> is you asked me. Um, did we do this while we were recording or did we do it beforehand? You asked me how I got into podcasting. I was before we were recording. Mm -hmm. And I described a huge part of what I like about podcasting is being exposed to all the different people and being exposed to different viewpoints and just having a conversation where, you know, I'm trying to imagine, you know, what it would be like to have a completely full. I mean, I've been at full tables when all of my family gets together, but that's a rare occasion. That'd be like a particular, some special birthday or some special holiday or something. Um, but generally in the morning, breakfast would be, you know, my father and I at the table um, and my mother like hovering around and then maybe she'd sit down. And there's three of us. That That's like if we're all together or if my dad went to work early, it's just me and my mom. Or if I went to school before him, it would just, you know, it's very small. 
Um, and I think on, on one hand that forced me, I think it would force any only child. Um, it forces you to go out and find friends and you have to go out and, um, compete, you know, in the schoolyard, so to speak, I have to be interesting. I have to, I have to find other people and convince them that they want to spend time with me. So that it's a different kind of competition though. Whereas you're, you seem to be describing a large, um, collection of people and it's like well of course we're going to be together like that's that's not negotiable so mm -hmm. how do we get along how do we organize yeah just out of curiosity uh, i mean correct me if i'm wrong here because as an only child you don't have to share with anyone anything if uh, you have to eat correct. of course everything is yours there and um, you the apple of your parents eye how did you handle that being outside the home environment for when it comes to sharing? That's, that's a good question because I, I would say I didn't handle it well. Um, I went to college. So when I went uh, beyond, you know, primary education, it's like a big deal for us because you have to like move out and then you don't have your mom and dad around. And, and then you are in, uh, in a dorm, you're in a dormitory. Um, and I have a roommate who I don't, is a like new person. And there's like 40 other guys on the floor. Now we're all the same age. So you don't have a spread like you would with your, if you were in a big family. Um, but that was, um, not quite jarring, but that was a very different experience because all of a sudden, you know, like there are only so many shower stalls. There are only so many, um, you know, access in the kitchen that you had to then I, get experience of that. Um. And it, I, I think your your experience would would have been grounded in family, whereas my experience was just it's just chaos. Um, but that was a very different experience, and I think many I don't know if it's many or some of the things that I had to outgrow in my 30s and 40s, I wouldn't have had that problem if I hadn't been an only child. But I also don't think one sibling would have been enough either. Like my mother is not an only child; she has a brother. And my father had a sister. So I don't think two, like two isn't enough either. You need to be like three, four, five. You need a bigger group of people than even just a three-person family or a four-person family. I still don't think that's enough people to really get the experience that you're describing of having, you know, the, I don't want to say tussle, but like the, in, the interconnectedness that you would get from having a sibling who's 10 years older and a sibling who's 10 years younger. I mean, for, I've got a ritual when I'm out in public and when I'm out more in the real world to ground me. I have to keep on telling myself that you're not at the center of the universe, you know. You you don't have to fight for everything at home. I mean, these are friends or these are different people. Uh, because if I don't do that, I think it's uh, very much entrenched in my DNA, whatever it is. is uh, if I'm late, one sec is going to disappear. Uh, because that's mm. the way if, uh, if I go playing soccer outside and uh, 7 p.m., if I'm in the house by 7 or 5, it means I'm going to go to bed late. I'm going to go to bed hungry, you know. Right. So, so I've got those. I have to constantly. It's one thing I can only overcome by having a ritual around it. But it's so hardwired. Huh. It's not. It's not natural for me. It's not natural for me for me to go 
So I will imagine also for somebody like you, I don't know, you know, we're all different, but for somebody like you that also comes from uh, a very closed family like this way in public, you have to have a reach of surviving. Otherwise, everybody will piss you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you do have, um, that's a good question. Some, some of that I think has to do with boundaries. So I got used to, uh, so for example, in high school, you know, there'd be groups that would form people who would play one sport or people who, you know, wanted to do theater and you would always find your little small group, but you still always had, this is like my stuff, my locker. You just, everybody had a boundary and it was very, even if you like, Oh, this person was my friend, their brother is two grades up. Like even, even in that sense, there's still, those people were separate. The brothers, they didn't hang out. You know, they were, everybody was individuals. And that, um, that does make for a more, um, trying to think of the right word. Like you tend to ruminate more. You tend to like be lost in your thoughts because you don't have people necessarily to interact with all the time. So I think that that doesn't, that's not a good thing that when you're spending too much time thinking, I don't think that is the best way to do it. You also need people who understand you, even if they, you know, give you crap, even if they, you know, want to wrestle that you need people who understand you that you can communicate with. So that, I think that, being an, a, everybody being their own individual with very clear boundaries that also plays against the individuals because they don't have a chance to interact as much. See, using that word, being an individual for us is a taboo. And uh, I mean, if you had, I remember for like one of the ways, one of the ways how the elders pass uh, wisdom from the younger generation to the next, you always eat with your dad, your uncle, somebody that is older. So I remember one time they would bring two bowls, uh, one with rice, two, they both have rice, one has got an egg on top, the other one has no egg, and your father will tell you to pick. So automatically, because you're hungry and you want the best, you'll always take the, the one with the rice and uh, the one that has got an egg on top. Then your father slowly is going to take his spoon, he's going to shovel through his and you see two eggs at the bottom. It's busy, it's busy eating and you're busy watching. Then tomorrow they do the same thing. They bring two balls, one with an egg, the other one with nothing. He tells you to pick. You pick the one that has no egg on because of yesterday's story. Your father takes the one. When you shovel down, he finds there's nothing. It's just pasteurized. Then the third day they bring that. You've got, you've got exactly the same bowl of rice, there's nothing on top, the other one has got an egg on. Father tells you, pick, what do you think you'll do? I'm going to say you cut the egg in half and give him half the egg. <laughs> yeah. But in most cases, you've learned your lesson. The thing that you'll always do, you tell him, you pick first. Mm. Now, lesson done. At that point, mm. because you've tried both ways and you burned, now, the minute mm. you say pick first, your father knows exactly which one has the two eggs and which one has the one egg, and automatically he'll pick. And that, from us, is taught you first about being selflessness, about now. you be, And this only happens when you're becoming a man. A man has to learn to sacrifice for the good of the community. So that's why I said when you talk about individualism for us, 
straight away it means you're going to get a smack. You, you will be punished for that because that's what boys do. But men have to always transcend their personal needs. It's the communal needs that are more important than what you want. I always have trouble figuring out how to end the podcast okay. because I, I always think about, I should just press stop because invariably what you have said doesn't need me to add to it. So I will just say, as I expect, when I get to talk to people, it was a delight to meet you, um, to get a chance to try and see things from your perspective, um, to exchange ideas. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And hopefully we'll do something down the road. Um, I'm super happy that we got a chance to meet. Thank you. Until we meet again, Greg, God bless. It is a smaller and smaller world every year. Yeah. Terrific. Thank you, Steve. Bye. Bye.